Hello and welcome in to the 22nd episode of the Promo Guy podcast brought to you by Mojo, the stock market for sports. Mojo is the sports stock market offering probability-based odds, live cash outs, and a one-of-a-kind player prop selection. And now the creators of Sunday Slams are bringing you an all-new way to play DFS. Sign up using code TPG for a 100% deposit match up to $100. As always, I'm joined by Nick from Blue Duck Media. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm good. We've got a fun show planned. Excited to jump in. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, We are full swing of things for football. Um, I'm excited for a big college football slate this weekend. And honestly, we have a lot to talk about. Actually, I didn't talk about the Barstool thing in the in the prep for this because it came out like or I, I didn't really understand it until last night this morning. So we have actually more to talk about than I told you that we did. <laughs> Ooh, what Barstool thing? I feel like there's a lot going on now. I'm going to assume you're not you're not talking about their Washington Post uh, debacle that's going on right now. I am not. Maybe you could fill <laughs> us in on that. But from my understanding of what happened and I would need to read more and understand more. All of the Giants game this past week, Giants-Cardinals live odds just didn't shift at some point during the game. Like they stopped adjusting them. And people took advantage of this by betting on, you know, like somebody went over their rushing yards and had already gone over. And then they, they would bet that guy's over rushing yards or receiving yards, you know, like stuff that had already happened in the game. People were taking overs on. Uh, and there were other bets, I'm sure, as well. Like there was a huge comeback. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing people were live betting either the team or the props. You know, a lot happened in that Giants Cardinals game. So anyway, so clear glitches. Barstool has locked everybody out of their accounts. Yeah. And from my, from what I understand, they paid out every pregame bet as normal. Anyone that took advantage obviously has had their account locked and their bets presumably voided. Although there, I, I believe no money's been returned to people, but I think they're saying they're going to void their bets. One of the interesting parts about this is that people who bet on live odds correctly and normally, because it wasn't messed up the whole time, are also having their winning bets voided because I guess Barstool can't tell what was a real bet and what wasn't. Oof, that's a tough one. Because I, I want to say it sounds like they're doing the right thing. If they're cashing out all pregame bets and they're trying to do the right thing, I would hope there's a way that they can see the time that the bet was placed, know what time the error made was made. Like you can go back and say, okay, this bet was placed at, what was it? And was it a one o'clock game? So this bet was placed at three 30 and our lines. No, it must've been a four o'clock game because I'm pretty sure the giants field goal was the last leg of the, the, Every team to make a field goal part of that. Yeah, it's funny. I said a one o'clock game, thinking my time. Oh, one o'clock Pacific. Sorry, keep going. Right, California. So, hey, can't they say we started to see tech issues at three thirty? Anything placed before? Because that would be. I don't know if you saw Nick Wright's parlay where he took that the Giants to win when they were down 28-0, parlayed with the Commanders to win when they were down twenty-one-three. And that paid out like 500 to win 22 grand. So like, I would be pretty furious if they, <laughs> right. If they, if you're, if you're Nick, right. You, you took that and they just voided it. And they're they voiding it completely. Yeah. They're com- voiding completely like above board bets. And he'd have such a good argument. Not that they would listen other than the fact that he's Nick, right. But he'd have such a good argument because it's like, do you, do you really think, well, I actually never mind Cause the, could they could have it could have been 28 all or yeah, I guess you could figure out the timestamp, right? Like if he plays that bet at six o'clock, you know that was during halftime and those odds look about right. You know what I mean? Uh, you could definitely timestamp things. That's a good point. I, I I hope that's what's taking them so long, at least to get the the correct bets settled correctly. To be honest, I would be okay with them voiding every single prop bet. Uh, I think that it'll be tough for them to timestamp every single one of those. They'll need to know the exact time that everyone got the reception. Well, it's their fault, so I don't have a ton of sympathy. Yes, I just understand. I, I, I feel like maybe this is because when I usually wager on props, my unit size is a lot smaller. I just feel like being like, listen, we there was a lot that went on that was clearly like people betting on 
people's over yards when they already have over those yards. Right. There's a lot of stuff that didn't look right. You knew it didn't look right. We're voiding all props. But because the the games in that window when they were having issues had such crazy comebacks, I'd be really pissed if I was betting on underdogs and got huge plus money. And that was like, as long as the odds were still like that they took reflect what they were supposed to be at that time, I think that they should probably try and find a way. And hopefully, like you said, that's what's taking them so long. Yeah. Uh, and again, I don't know as much as I should on the subject, but I, I think that the big difference here between like that teacher who had the soccer SGP or other people that have had, like there was the, the Tyus Jones points bet situation. I think that the big difference between those situations and this one is that the sports books. So for Tyus Jones, when they, they you know, let's say they added a zero to his, I think it was triple-double odds or double-double odds. No, it was double-double. They added a a zero, let's say, to his double-double odds. Like, they they would have marked that as a loss, I am quite confident, had it not hit. And they went back after the game and did it. This situation, they don't really have that opportunity to do so. Apparently, there were 13 different types of live bets that were, you know, placed by a lot of people. And... You know, they're just voiding all of them. Obviously, they would have gotten smoked on them because most of them were, you know, insane EV, if not just 100% probability. So I, I don't know if there's that same adverse selection. I was so angry about the MGM and the points bet things because, like, they're just saying after the game, oh, well, this hit and it was clearly wrong. But if it lost, they wouldn't have done it. So the better ended up in a, in a terrible spot. Here, I kind of view this as betters taking a shot that they're not going to notice, you know, betting on these known outcomes or high likely outcomes or high EV outcomes during the game with the, with the knowledge that there's a decent chance that, that it voids regardless of, of what the actual outcome ends up being. So, you know, for the people saying that the sports book posted bad lines and it's, it's up to them to have good lines and they should own up to it. Like I get that line of thinking, but we would just never see live odds. I mean, I don't even know if these sports would be in business. Like Barstool would just go under if if you could bet thousands and thousands of dollars on known outcomes, right? And then people, it's the same people that are like, oh, you you know, no one should ever be limited. Well, I, you know, I, I'm, this is not me being a sportsbook apologist to say that, and it's it's shame on them for being stupid enough to have this happen, but it does happen. We've seen it happen with almost all of these books where they have some error like this, and like they would they just wouldn't be able to offer all the props that they do. They wouldn't be able to offer live betting like they do if they had zero protections. So I'm okay with having protections in a, this whole game got stale. We couldn't figure out how to take it down. And a bunch of bad bets came in that were being voided no matter what, win or lose. That's that's kind of my quick thought. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought this up because I hadn't seen anything about it yet. So um excited to see how this plays out. Excited to see if they end up I would love to see them doing this the right way. And I like that they're taking their time uh, to try and figure out what the best way to do it is. I'm excited to see how they end up paying people out. Um, I almost feel like the lock people out of their accounts move while annoying is almost the best like path forward. Like I would, I think that's like, Hey, we aren't going to make some quick rash decision and you're going to get angry because you log into your account and it's, the bet is currently graded as a loss and there's going to be all this outrage. You're just locked out of your account and give us some time and trust us. We're going to try and do the right thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know how much trust people have in Barstool Sportsbook. And I think you're giving them maybe more credit than they deserve here. I mean, they screwed up their odds. They didn't figure it out. And now they're locking people out of their accounts as like, it feels like a punishment. You know, at a minimum, everyone's bets should be returned to them. And then if you want to figure out extra compensation, like a, a free bet of sorts for the inconvenience, because remember, there are people who just bet real live bets that were probably normal. Uh, like, you know, I, 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 I agree with your sentiment, but I do think that people's, at least their money should be returned back to them. It's kind of weird to hold your mo- people's money that long, especially because people were betting so much. I also just find it funny that like ever since the ESPN thing got announced, a bunch of people's limits got lifted on barstool like a lot of people were limited beforehand and and their limits got lifted 
And now like everyone's probably going to be limited again. Like it, it sucks. And I, I would say like, if you're going to, I think people knew when they were doing this, like, okay, I'm taking my shot here. I'll probably get limited on this book one day. Although I don't know how, how quick ESPN will be. I, I know it's really penned, but I don't, like, I, I don't know uh, what limits will look like on the new book, but I think people were kind of, taking their shot there and I, I hope it didn't end up in in zeros because you know obviously the the book is uh any sports book's worth more than zero before you get limited you know you might as well make some money but uh anyway let's get to the state of the stack because we we definitely have a uh a bigger episode here full show today yeah uh state of stack so past performance so i think i said this last week where i said <laughs> you know you're gonna have to be able to to ride some of the waves saturday was pretty brutal especially like the yeah, no it was pretty brutal the whole day uh we really just won one bet i don't know it was one in six something like that um and it was just the tennessee first quarter bet which was like uh you know plus 160 or something you know, it wasn't anything too crazy so saturday was tough after so at the podcast every friday yeah okay so saturday was the first real day because friday was light and then sunday was great like, so Sunday, the first few bets lost, and I'm like sweating. And then we hit the plus 866 or seven, something like that. Uh, the, the the FanDuel SGP, and then the the, the, the night FanDuel boost hit. Uh, and then Monday was was great, too. Uh, there, there was more Sunday than blanket. I mean, I know that Sunday night had the, in the Discord, the the, the big Caesars SGP hit, and then there were the, the MGM hits. MGM just continues to be like a, I don't know if a saver, but just really, really good, honestly, for months now. Uh, and then, but but Saturday, just to be clear, pretty much everything in the Discord lost to. It was Saturday, it was brutal. Like you had all these people saying, I lost 12 units Saturday and made 13 units Sunday. So I guess that's that's, that's a fun weekend. Some people had better versions of that and, and some people had worse, obviously, but that was sort of the, the overall sentiment. Like, okay, we lost everything Saturday, made it all back Sunday. And I think most people probably ended up a little bit ahead. Um, I'm not sure what the Twitter numbers exactly look like. And then Monday was really good too. Uh, we had the the plus seven, uh, not seven, plus three seventy, uh, no sweat hit. And then we had the the red zone boost hit, and then the Fanduel boost hit, the Pickett and Watson. So Sunday, Monday were good. Saturday was brutal. Look, this is just how like having a ton of bets works. It doesn't always work out. We're like. You know, you, you bet a, a bunch of coin flips at, at plus 120 and, you know, you it's heads and it's tails, it's heads and it's tails, it's heads and it's tails. And you end up going like five and five and, you know, up up small just to match the EV. No, it's it's a roller coaster. And you got, you you know, you kind of got to learn to live with it would be my state of the stack there. As far as this week post Monday, um, it's been quiet. We, we we lost the first DraftKings Champions boost. We hit the second one. We lost the Caesars one. I feel like I'm forgetting a hit, but whatever, it doesn't matter. It's it's been it's been it's been quiet, you know, football now. It's it's Thursdays, Saturdays, Sundays, and Mondays that, that kind of rule the rule the week. So uh, I'm excited for, for a big weekend of football uh this weekend and hopefully uh we can carry on the momentum from uh from Sunday and Monday. Yeah, I'm excited for a big week of football, too. And hopefully we don't get too many weird uh, last-minute finishes the way we did in the NFL this week. Uh, I guess across football this week. Uh, And I mean that from a gambling point of view, which I guess takes us right into the gambling landscape update. At the end of the Rams game, we had something really weird, which you don't see all that often. Do you want to explain what happened? And we'll talk about whether you think that that's I think I think you should explain it because my bias is going to come through on this if I explain it. So why don't you go ahead? The Rams, a depending on where you got it, anywhere. I think it closed around seven or seven and a half. But I think on uh, MGM Super Contest, it it was it like closed at eight and a half. Um, the Rams were down ten points with four seconds left at about the thirty-five yard line. Yeah, and, and the line was around. The line was somewhere around seven plus or minus, like. Yeah, seven's the worst you could have gotten there. I'm pretty sure. I had Niners minus six and a half in a Caesars wow. SGP. Good price. But that was that was because of the grind my gears, the minus seven pushing like rule. So I, I had to to like alter. So like the Caesars main line was seven, and I paired it with something. 
but you get the same exact odds for minus six and a half as you do for minus seven. So I said, well, I'm not going to send out a play at minus seven. I'll send it out at minus six and a half. Uh, so I guess that worked out because normally I would have taken the higher odds play. I believe it was plus 285 before the boost. You know, it would have been like plus 310 before the boost or whatever, plus 305, something like that. If it was actually minus seven, which I would have just taken because it's sort of the main line. But I guess we got lucky uh, that Caesars is has these ridiculous push rules. But keep going. Keep going. Sorry. Um, no worries. Um, so you get them down 10 with about 40 seconds left. There's absolutely no chance they can win. They're on the 40-yard line, four seconds left. And they decide to kick a field goal, which ended up covering for them for a lot of betters. I think the majority of tickets, especially uh, the public tickets, were definitely on the Niners covering that game. Yeah, it was it was it was very it was very it was very impactful to to a spread of of you know rounds. And obviously, and when the field goal went in, time expired, game over. So, is this? You see a lot of videos and people saying Vegas is out here, like the the call is in. Vegas is telling them they need to kick it to cover. Does this make any sense from a football point of view? And are coaches out there like aware of the spread and just playing to cover? Yeah. So a lot of people accuse McVay and it was pretty widely held that he kicked that field goal, not necessarily because the NFL called him, but because he knew it would cause his team to cover. He had no chance of winning. So, you know, not that he had money on it or anything, but it's a bit of a, uh, you know, you feel better when, you're, when your team covers. Like, people know the spread. It's impactful. Like, you might as well do it. I actually thought it made a ton of sense from a football perspective. So there's four seconds left. Like you said, they were on the – were they actually all the way back at the 40? Or, or were they, like, closer up? It was maybe like the – it was maybe like the 30. It was between the 30 and 40. Like the 30 or something. Yeah, okay. Your options are with four seconds left down 10, which you, – so you're down two scores. You either throw Hail Mary into the end zone to get a touchdown in less than four seconds and kick an onside kick and hope that you can have something magical happen. Like the guy fumbles and you pick it, you know, whatever, right? Like you, you have no actual chance, but let's say you, you score a touchdown in two seconds, you kick an onside kick, you recover it. There's still one second. And then you, you throw another Hail Mary, right? Like that's, that's one option. Or you kick a field goal and hope for the same that it, you kick it in less than four seconds and uh, and then you recover an onside kick. Like that's your only chance of winning is a score and an onside kick. And you have to do it all in four seconds. Now, what has a better chance of happening in four seconds? A field goal or a Hail Mary? Yeah, but if we're 10 seconds left, uh, your logic makes complete sense. But a field goal and an onside kick are not being covered, recovered in four seconds. But that's my whole, but that's my, well, of course, but nothing's happening. You're losing the game. What do you want them to do, kneel? No, I don't want them to kneel. Honestly, I think that the normal thing for most coaches to do is they want at the end of the season for their, the, the logic here is we know we're not going to win. I just want my average points per game to look a little bit better. Like have my, especially a coach like McVay, who's young, who's very stats oriented to be like, my offense is a little bit more proficient. I would just think that he'd take a shot at the end zone for the same exact reason. It's just, I guess. I, I guess my, my point is if it's something that you would do, that's like the clear move with six or seven seconds left. Like if there are seven seconds left and he kicks a field goal, Field goals take what about four seconds? Yeah, it depends from how how far out, but I think from that distance about yeah, that. but plus or minus. Okay, so then there'd be three seconds left. You try not like it would be your best play with seven seconds left. So for me to think that this was not a football play because there were four seconds instead of seven seconds, like you, you're doing, you're. I don't think he's thinking about any of that that stats crap or whatever. Like I think he's just like. I've got two zero percent options to win the game, but like one of these looks better. Just like with seven seconds left, like that would be that would be the the play. So I don't know why this was clearly Vegas induced. I think that McVeigh was just like hoping they could kick a field goal a little faster than they could throw a Hail Mary, and it's just sort of knowing it didn't matter either way. But yeah, it felt a little weird. Did you see that there's a extremely similar situation in the Iowa football game? No. Oh yes, I did see this. I but <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, this wasn't this wasn't in our rundown, so I'm throwing this one at you out of the blue. Go ahead. No, no, I think this is great. A very similar situation happened where 
It was a 28 and a half point spread. Iowa, I think, was up like 34. They were they were up 34 to 10. I'm like I that. want to say that, but some up 24 points. And fourth and goal, uh, obviously up 24 points. Game is out of reach. Fourth and goal with about 30 seconds left. Instead of kneeling it out, instead of kicking the field goal, which would have gotten them to 27 and not covered, they went for it and ran the ball in to cover the spread. I saw that. I was like, that's completely absurd. And then I saw another level to the story. Do you know where I'm going with this? Yeah, it's the nepotism angle. Is it a nepotism angle? Yes. I thought it was like, I thought it it almost felt like anti-nepotism where like the dad is the head coach. His son is the offensive coordinator. Yes. And he has a deal in place where he's going to fire his son if the offense doesn't put up enough points. So he's just, if you're ever betting on the Iowa football team, take the over because the son is fighting to keep his job and will run up the score whenever so, wait, 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 that's clearly a nepotism. It's anti-nepotism. He's like, he's not. His dad let him go for it. His dad was like, is, has a contract in place that's if you, that contract does not get signed with Joe Schmo, offensive coordinator, being like, if you don't put up enough points, you're fired. I've never heard of that, but he's like, yeah, because he would have been he could no because he would have because they forced him to 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 be objective because the Iowa offense has been so bad and his son's been running it right and he's been fighting literally. I I saw an interview with him talking about how his son's a good offense coordinator. People don't know what they're talking about, even though the offense has been putrid. So they forced this contract on him, like, hey, if we don't score some points, you need to fire your son. It's now fourth and goal at the one, meaningless blowout thing. And Pops has the option to either tell him to kneel it, which will make him reaching his points objective harder, or letting him score it, which will make him keeping his job and and hitting his points objective easier. And he went with, hey, son, go for it. Let's help out. Let's help out. Okay, I get it. I, I honestly, dad, I didn't look at it as the university is the one who he's signing the contract with. I thought his dad must have had that deal in place where he's like, listen, son, if you don't get this, uh, you're out. No, I think that, I, I mean, I don't know the exact, but like, I'm pretty sure that was, that was put in place just because like, they don't want to fire the head coach, but they have to make him objective about this uh, because they've, they've, you know, that offense last year was the joke of college football and any other offensive coordinator, in my opinion, gets fired, right? Like at a Big Ten program might be a stretch, but like at a at a big program, you cannot have a laughing stock offense and keep your job. So I think that's why I assume that's why they put they put that points thing in place to sort of make an agreement like, hey, if we don't score points, like you got to fire your kid. Yeah, it's an interesting situation. And it is fun as just like a gambling side note to take the, the team total over whenever Iowa's playing. They're incentivized to put up points, especially when they're playing a bad team. If you have them as huge favorites, sometimes you're scared that they might slow it down. That Iowa offense isn't slowing it down. I think there was a part of it about 40 plus points in there, too. I could be wrong. I thought I saw that that the fact that they hit 40 helped. So the last thing we wanted to to get into was, as most of you know, the DraftKings red zone bet. Uh, so they ran a promo and it was, you can boost by 50% any of the Monday night teams to enter the red zone first. And I chose, and I, I think um, this made it made sense for, for a lot of people uh, who looked at it, EV and non-EV to go with the Browns minus 105 is as because you could boost any of the four lines that you wanted because Browns were favored against Steelers in the game. They were also favored against Steelers to score first everywhere. So for them to be only minus 105 made a lot of sense. You know, if you look at like the the Panthers game, the Panthers were the underdog were plus 105, but they were, you know, minus 150 in the game as opposed to favorites in the game. So that minus 105, excuse me, versus plus 105 difference. And it was kind of a similar story with team to score first. The Browns were kind of like the obvious pick. So, okay, Browns minus 105, boosted a plus 142. Game starts, I think it was first play of the game. Uh, I had basketball games, so I, I, I missed this all live. Uh, Deshaun Watson throws a pick six. And for the rest of the game, uh, the Browns at some point enter the red zone. The Steelers actually never end up reaching the red zone. And 
I had assumed from looking at my phone after my basketball game that the Browns bet would have hit uh, because, like, I was cheering for for um, Brees Hall to get tackled when he had that long run against the Bills. A red zone trip attempt, whatever the red zone is defined as you know, the offense taking a snap inside the twenty. And if you look at the official NFL.com stats, you look at the ESPN stats, there were zero red zone trips from the Steelers. The bet was team to enter the red zone first, which I guess DraftKings took as the team that possesses the ball, like like literally has the ball inside the opponent's 20, so that that would make the pick six count. Although, again... And they had no house rules explaining anywhere what they meant by it. So for me, it was extraordinarily obvious to be frank. And look, I don't ask for bad beat refunds. I don't, I don't ask for like, like really anything. And and this one I just thought was, you can't make the Browns better loser when the Steelers have, you know, when the Steelers never entered, never had a red zone attempt. Every time we hear in football, oh, they're in the red zone. That's not part of a, a turnover or a long touchdown. Same thing with a 50-yard bomb touchdown. This bet wasn't teamed to score first or score the first touchdown. It was teamed to, you know, enter the red zone first, which when you cite Steelers score on 85% of their red zone trips, they don't include 50-yard touchdowns into those statistics. They don't include pick sixes into to those statistics. And if you want to use the whole team to enter the red zone, they, like if you want to try and argue, I someone trying to argue the like, the technical English version of this is team to enter the red zone. It doesn't even say with the ball. It could be the first guy that walks out onto the field inside the opponent's 20. It could be like a, if there was a penalty on a kickoff and, and you end up backed up on with the ball on the other team's 20. Like technically you have the ball inside the red zone. Like it's ridiculous. That's not what the bet meant. The, met, the bet meant a first red zone trip. Of course it did. That's like, and if you don't have house rules, you have to default to the literal NFL statistics. That is what we see for every single bet we ever make when it's like, oh, this was, you know, I remember we had like a Russell Wilson passing yards SGP boost like a couple of years ago. And like, it was, you know, ESPN had his yardage at one and NFL.com had his yardage at the other. And it was kind of clear from the replay that ESPN was right. But they, you know, they said like, you got to go with the NFL.com official statistics. And like, yeah, I was bummed, but like, what are you going to do? It's the literal official NFL rules of how many yards he got, how many red zone trips Steelers had. So anyway, that's my sort of quick stick. So they graded the Steelers as a win. I tweeted, shouldn't this be a Browns win with a screenshot of the ESPN red zone trips? And then I did the same exact tweet, basically, quote tweeting, here's from the official NFL site. And those were the basically the two tweets I sent. I sent a... a Jim Carrey GIF at some point later. I, there wasn't a huge brand. It was like, hey, DraftKings, like, what is going on? Because I, I basically thought it was a mistake and had no real thought that this would ever re- stand um, until the next day I started doubting it. But so I had those tweets. DraftKings agrees to change it. They credited people's accounts with, the, you know, like if you had a $10 bet, you got $24 and uh, I don't remember, like 29 cents or something, you know, whatever the, the win would have been. And that was kind of it. You know, I gave, I, I then gave credit to DraftKings as they deserve because look, at the end of the day, they made a mistake. They didn't have house rules. That was their, their first mistake on this bet. Uh, I think that their next mistake was that they, they credited the wrong side, in my opinion. But again, uh, I, I can feel 100% good that that's my opinion one way, like either way, because I was literally screaming to my wife's avail when Brees Hall was had that long run. I was like, go, go, go. Okay, tackle him, tackle him. Like, don't let him actually get, get in the end zone because then I assumed that the Jets would not be the first team to enter the red zone. And frankly, I was concerned that the Jets would ever find their way back into the red zone with Zach Wilson at quarterback because uh, Rodgers had gotten hurt. So anyway, uh, kudos to them. They saw their error. Many sports books don't see their error. They paid out the right side and then and they didn't withdraw from the wrong side because you know what? They didn't have house rules. And if they can interpret, in my opinion, wrong, that means a lot of people can interpret wrong. So if you bet Steelers to enter the red zone first, you shouldn't have your money taken away other than the fact that it's a bad look. But you shouldn't have your money taken away because it was ambiguous. And 
Maybe it wasn't ambiguous to me, but if it was ambiguous to DraftKings, how is DraftKings going to argue that they should have known that it was, you know, the official NFL, even though, again, I still think that's a little bit obvious, but like credit to them. I mean, to me, it's extremely obvious. (laughs) I I think uh, uh, entering the red zone means you have a red zone trip. If there was a 60 yard touchdown, I would, if I was rooting for the Steelers to get a, the first red zone trip, I'd be like, tackle him, tackle him, tackle him. Cause you just, cause you need the snap in the red zone to make it a red zone tri- touch. It seems obvious. Yes. And then the, why wouldn't the bet just be team to score the first touchdown or get on the field first and happen to happen to walk in the red zone. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it'd be too similar to, to uh, a team to score first where the only difference would be a, uh, a long field goal. So yeah, uh, obviously we're we're on the same page here, but you know, credit to DraftKings, they fixed yeah, it. Yeah, it's a weird on. one. I, I was disappointed. Not that people like, to be frank, like I saw a post saying, you know what? I thought that should have been the Steelers. Actually, the guy who did it, who I like, uh, basically said, you know what? Actually, I see your side of things. Like that makes sense. You know, I'm, I'm kind of reversing field here, but either way, like if you think it should be Steelers, like we can disagree, and that's cool. So okay, it seems like we're on the same page. Let's go to. An incredible Saturday college football we have coming up. What do you say, Nick? Um, yeah, I think we use this space to preview what each Saturday schedule looks like, what games to watch throughout the day, what games to wager on, etc. I'll start you off because I don't think you're as excited about Colorado as I am. I'll say I know for a fact that has to be on there, but I think we've got six games this week. What's your perfect Saturday look like? My perfect Saturday? I This is going to be one of the better especially early season college football days of the year so i'm really excited uh the big game at 12 i know colorado oregon will get a lot of views i know that you're most excited for it but fsu clemson clemson has won the atlantic not that they're divisions anymore i i believe the last six years they've beaten clemson fsu at least the last six years they've been the absolute class of the acc winning the conference almost every year making the playoff almost every year. And this game at Clemson, it's almost a pick 'em. I think Clemson's like plus 110, will be huge for Clemson's future. For starters, are they down in the dumps like they looked against Duke? They struggled at times last year. You know, is this sort of the beginning of the end for Davo and Clemson? He's resisted NIL. He's resisted the portal. His quarterbacks have struggled. He's you know, his defense isn't quite the same without Brent Venables. Uh, you know, you could say all of these things, but if they win, it's, you know, it's, ah, Duke was a fluke. They had some weird plays like Clemson's good. Don't worry. And FSU still a little brother to them. FSU side, they were failing to make bowl games for the better half of the last, you know, seven years, you know, str- struggling to go 500, usually not going 500. They lose to Clemson every year. And then last year, you know, Mike Norvell, Beginning of the turnaround, you know, more than seemingly, they go nine and three, but they still lost to all their ranked opponents. So haven't really gone through that pump until week one of this year. They blow out of LSU. They're now number three or four in the country, top five, at least. They might have gone down with the BC post win. Like this is their chance to be the heavy, heavy favorite in the ACC to basically, in my opinion, you know, reclaim themselves is back or whatever you know whatever you want to say um to their their form and mike norvell era is in full effect so huge game uh for fsu clemson then colorado oregon travis hunter being hurt i think takes a little bit of air out of this but you know it's now a 21 point spread but you know uh the first legit team that colorado is going to face seemingly i don't know how good tcu was and we'll see if they can measure up it'll be tough you know, Colorado, 50 new players, all that. Everybody knows the story. Like, do they have the depth? Do they have, I mean, you know, they're losing their best offensive and defensive player, arguably. So can they stay competitive and, and all that? And this would be, you know, all the celebrities will be there, the whole the whole thing. So there'll be a lot of eyeballs and a huge recruiting chance for, for Dion and a chance for, you know, Shador to actually jump into the Heisman conversation and all that. But it'll be a tall task. Okay, UCLA, Utah, four and a half point spread. I don't know. I, I don't think Cam Rising, is, apparently he's questionable. Uh, I don't know if he'll play. They're four and a half point favorites. This will be a big Pac-12 game. I mean, frankly, and I, I, I've been saying since the start on this podcast, I think there will be a Pac-12 team in the playoffs. 
but it could be one of Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA, Utah. You know, there's plenty of teams it could be. So this will be a huge Pac-12 game and, and you know, a big game that we're looking back on down the road potentially. Ole Miss, Alabama. Alabama, similar conversation as Clemson, except for, like, they have the number one most talented roster in college football. Their quarterbacks have looked beyond bad. They're seven-point favorites against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is strong as always, uh, in my opinion. Lane, Lane Kiffin does a good job there. I'm kind of surprised at how high the over-under is, given how Alabama's looked. Um, I'm assuming that Jackson Dart is healthy and playing and all that, uh, the Ole Miss quarterback. But that'll be an awesome 3.30 game. Uh, uh, UCLA, Utah is also 3.30. That'll be an awesome game. Really excited for that. That'll probably be the game I'm watching more than UCLA, too, just because I'm desperate to know what happens with Alabama. If they win this game, like, all is kind of right. And if they lose this game, you know, Saban's old, really old, and people are going to be looking like, is Alabama on the wrong side of things? I still think they, they're recruiting so well that, you know, they'll fix the, you know, they'll go into the portal, they'll fix the quarterback, and things will be right at some point. But this is, it's a, it's a big year. I mean, Alabama can't miss the playoff for three straight years. Like, you know, that feels, that feels wrong. Uh, okay. Iowa, Penn State. I, I picked Penn State to make the playoff in the preseason. They've looked great so far. Defense has been very strong. Quarterback looks good. Iowa's, you know, a big test, but they're still 14 and a half point favorites. And then Ohio State and Notre Dame is the biggest game of the day, probably two top 10 teams. I actually kind of quietly like Notre Dame here. It's like plus 140. I, I, I think that Sam Hartman looks good. I think that the Ohio State hasn't looked as good. And it's a lot to ask to go into South Bend and, you know, with that atmosphere and, and, a team that feels like they're not struggling to find their footing, maybe like Ohio State is, and a team that's very talented, Notre Dame, with a good veteran quarterback and Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. Like, I think plus one forty feels pretty good, but that'll be a really fun night game, and that's it. Yeah, no, I, this 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 is about the most fun slate. I think this is the first time that we've had this many three and O teams in Week Four since like 1986 don't quote me on that i just remember seeing that on my feed today oh wow uh yeah that this rarely happens this late in the season and we've got a a bunch of those teams playing each other so um this should be a really fun week of college football and excited uh excited for coach prime to go into eugene keep the train rolling um (laughs) yeah i mean i i think we talked about this last week just with the amount of parody that seems to be creeping into college football. Like there are just so many teams that could end up in the playoff. Like, you know, I can name you 15 teams and you wouldn't be surprised if any of that, you know, at, at any of them making it or not making it. And, and even winning it all, like we haven't had the, you know, Georgia looks a little vulnerable and we just haven't had the, you know, it was Alabama Clemson, what, four years in a row or, something, you know, four to five years in the, in the national championship game. And they were, and it, it's been Georgia winning it the last two years. And we've just had so much of a few teams having a stranglehold on things that it feels like it's being blown wide open this year. And we're going to, you know, get a lot more of that this week, uh, especially with teams like Clemson and Bama and Ohio State with massive tests. Yeah, just makes it a lot more fun. But um, let's go to break and we'll be right back with the big thought and a little bit of an NFL uh, recap and look forward. I'm in love with Mojo Fantasy. It's a crazy new app that turns sportsbook odds and selections into fantasy contests. Here's how it works. There are thousands of NFL and MLB player props. You build a portfolio, and the better your portfolio performs, the more cash you win. Pick as many props as you want and try and beat the crowd. Also, you can compare their lines to sportsbook lines to help yourself beat the crowd. Always EV bet. <laughs> anyway, it's that simple. Make picks, make moves, make money. Check it out on the App Store now. They're coming to more states and adding more sports soon. All right, welcome back in. Uh, A quick correction to the plan for the rest of the show uh, because we are very behind on time. We are going to skip the NFL stuff. I'm going to do... Uh, Dimer's article should go up today, which, which would be, you know, yesterday for most of you listening. Uh, so I'm going to just get into my quick thoughts on it and then we'll do mojo play of the day, grinds my gears and get out of here. Uh, so, okay. EV rankings, promos, 
I, I put DraftKings first. Just a lot of no sweat promos, up seven, up ten. I mean, the EV on those is so high. Uh, max bets on the the no sweat. I mean, not the no sweats. The up seven and ten are, are you know kind of in that twenty five plus range. Uh, I think that they're kind of the clear number one from a promos perspective. FanDuel comes in at number two. 50% boosts on all these SGPs, these profit boost tokens uh, for college football, for NFL. They've really ratcheted up like these $10, 50% profit boost type things. Loving the volume out of FanDuel from a promos perspective. They're, they're doing a better job, and there's a no sweat tonight. Uh, they're doing a better job of promos in general than they normally do for sure. I mean, they've, and I, I, I hope it continues. They've, Absolutely, you know, they usually don't unload the clip from a promos perspective, usually just a boost perspective, but they really have, uh, which is great to see. MGM, very boost have been good. Uh, I had them number one before. I basically knocked them down because the Barry boosts are pretty similar to the the baseball game equivalent they had when they had their 15%, 10% boost. They had uh, a lot of just good baseball promos, the Friday note run first inning thing. Like they were doing a lot of good things during baseball. Everybody else, namely DraftKings Bandle, have has upped their game for football, where I feel like MGM is status quo. So they move from one to three, but it's mostly a time of the year thing. Uh, the other thing that's hurt them is I've heard a lot more people being promo banned on MGM than I was a month ago, which always is going to hurt you a bit. You know, it can't be overwhelming, but I, I, I try and do like sort of EV given out to, to the community. And when some people don't get to partake in that, that's going to hurt you. So they're at three. Uh, I'm still, you know, I still think that they're ahead of where they were a year ago, where they were really just doing the first touchdown promo, which was fun because we did very well. Uh, and we're doing probably even better on the, the, the Barry Boost stuff. But, you know, I, I try not to make performance too important in this. It's about EV given out and, the performance sort of average out based off of that. Um, so Caesars, 25%, 33% boost. They just, they they sprinkle in. It's, you know, a couple times a week. Uh, I would say that the big thing for them is just to to have like home run lines really that are playable because they have a good promo every Tuesday, two 25% boosts that are basically unplayable. Uh, Bet365 comes in fifth. They're just doing their 30% SGP boosts. It's fine. Similar commentary to MGM, like, it's all it's all fine. It's just about pretty much the same you're doing for for baseball. Uh, okay, quickly boost rankings. DraftKings one, the happy hour boost, the super boost. Yeah, shout out to to Israel Adesanya. Uh, the yes run for sending, no run for sending boost. It's just it's been a, a steady stream. So they're number one in boosts and promos. And yeah, it doesn't hurt that they refunded the Rogers boost, right? Like yeah, that 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 just gave out for if everybody had a ten dollar bet on it and you have eighty percent conversion, they just gave out eight dollars of ev that FanDuel didn't like that's that's a huge deal um so i have DraftKings number one bet 365 number two it hasn't been a huge volume but the super boosts have just been very high ev uh FanDuel at three really disappointing on their part they have a couple a week there used to be a couple a day on on each saturday and sunday so to have a couple a week it's definitely disappointing they're not too far behind bet 365 and and DraftKings just because like they are higher limit and you know they they do still have good boosts but they used to have such a wide lead at number one and now they're sort of a competitive three so definitely disappointing then Caesars comes in at four fifty dollar maxes uh some good they, the, the happy hour boosts have been good I, I don't think they performed very well but again I try not to, to overly factor that in uh We've got one for tonight's game, Christian McCaffrey, 75 plus rushing yards plus 100. That's like a 10 to 15% EV boost at $50 max. Like, you know, <laughs> if they had a few of those each week, and I know they have the Alabama one, like they would shoot up these rankings just because the higher max, the solid EV. Uh, so, you know, credit to them. They were not doing this last year. And it's always nice to see books improve year over year and, and sort of understand that they need to do this to stay competitive from a market share perspective. So I'm always happy when people are doing more than they did the year before. I'm happy that Caesars is doing these once a week happy hour boosts that tend to be very good. And, and there's another um, very obviously good one this week. So overall, I did DraftKings, FanDuel, Bet365, MGM, Caesars. I put a little note for each of the check. You can check out the whole article on Dimers. 
but I put like a note of something I would like to see more of from each that feels sort of doable. I don't know if that actually makes a, a positive impact, but you know, little things like Caesar's running back that like, you know, if your bet wins, you get a point per scored in the game promo that they, that they were doing or, um, Fandible is obviously just needing more boost that might be tougher. Um, and I, DraftKings, I said, I hope that they keep the up seven, up 10, you know, the entire season, stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, you can check out the article. Uh, okay, cool. So that's the big thought. Nick, I assume you're happy to just move on to the Mojo segment and then we'll do Grants My Gears. Uh, yeah, let's do it. We, we found some, uh, some good value there. I'm excited yeah. to share. Um, you and I jumped on a call this morning and we're talking through um, all the plays we saw on there. And there was one that stood out. Um, you want to walk the audience through what we found and where we can give them a little bit of value. Sure. So last week, last week was DeAndre Swift, right? Yeah. yeah. Which by the way, it hit in about like the second quarter is eight and a half carries. I <laughs> yeah, think he got 30. It was eight and a half at plus one. It was like plus one. It was plus right? 175, eight yeah, and a half plus carries. 175. So that was great. Obviously just, uh, an easy thing, and frankly, none of you were able to bet it. So uh, this is mostly just an exercise. We were able to find this in what two minutes, Nick. Uh, so we found this morning uh, Darren Waller over four and a half receptions plus one twenty two. Yeah, it is arbitrable to bet three sixty five and to Fanduel at minus one twenty. Other books like MGM has it like slightly negative. It's obviously very good to the two books I mentioned. And then the rest of the books are like plus 100, minus 130. So, you know, what is that? That's going to be, you know, somewhere around like 6% EV. Um, oh, sorry. No, no, I said plus 100, minus 130. So it's going to be more like 4% EV. But clear, solid play, pretty much every book. Uh, and, you know, it's really easy. You just look at Mojo, you look at Sportsbook, you know, they do a good job of like converting the odds for you. So definitely worth checking out finding plus EV plays on Mojo hours this week. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll track these for fun. Uh, Darren Waller over four and a half receptions plus plus one twenty two. Finally grinds my gears. You know what really grinds my gears? So we tweeted from the account that was actually me tweeting. It's usually Nick or Hank tweeting, but this one I grabbed the account uh, and said, gee, I wonder what grinds my gears will be this week. Uh, I guess that was me complaining a little bit. <laughs> I was all here ready to complain. I was res- ready to use the space to talk about the bet, how it should have been the Steelers and no house rules, all that. Obviously, that didn't happen. Credit to DraftKings. So <laughs> what grinded my gears a bit was, was not people disagreeing that it read as the Steelers. And most of the people, I think, that had that opinion ended up switching it. But you're, you know, it's, it's a difference of opinion. That's fine. You can be wrong. <laughs> not that there's a thousand percent a right or wrong answer, but... I was disappointed in the comments I got of people saying like they only they did this to because you threw a temper tantrum or I can't believe that you know this is what's wrong with sports betting that they that they would refund the bet that it should have been the Steelers they only paid out the wrong side because you complained first off if I am able to get everybody twenty four dollars or more depending on your max I will proudly stand behind that if DraftKings wants to use me as a way to get market share over FanDuel, uh, over other sports books, because they see my platform and they, they did like my tweet uh, afterwards, sort of saluting them. Like they want to use me to bump themselves up, to let them, that's great. That's awesome. That means that they are going to prioritize ED betting and they see it as a way of marketing and they'll continue to do refunds. Not that that's a me thing. I never asked for refunds. Uh, that they'll continue to do right by us in this sort of case. Like, if my role is to sort of make sure that things get paid out equitably, like, great. Uh, that, that is not an insult to me. I, I'm proud of that. And I'm proud that I was able to get a whole lot of people, you know, 24 plus dollars into their account. So I guess that's that's the first thing. The second thing is I've, I've tried to have this message really since I started the account, but definitely on the podcast of like, stop rooting against your fellow betters. And I see it more and more all over Twitter in the EV space, in the non-EV space. The we never even talked about the 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 JD field goal bet, but I saw people saying like, ah, you know, kill me. I I I didn't I didn't see that bet, or I didn't get that in, or I missed the whatever alert, like whatever. Just be happy. Other people made money. Like <laughs> it doesn't negatively affect you. Like stop worrying about your neighbor. Like this whole 
it's this whole like you know they say in africa if you like or in like developing countries i shouldn't say all of africa but in in developing nations that a lot of the people are just as happy as the people here because they look at their neighbor and they say well i'm doing all right you know same as that guy same as everyone else and i'm happy whatever and then people here look at their neighbor and their neighbor maybe has a bigger house or want to bet that they didn't and it makes them less happy. So it's it's that whole thought. It's like when it doesn't make sense, when you have so much more to be equally happy as someone who has so much less, stop rooting against other betters. Stop letting it affect your mood. Just be, you know, be happy that people won or or be neutral about it. But to root against people getting paid out as to me, they clearly should. I mean, even if you disagree with how the bet was intended, Steelers or Browns, you have to agree that there's an argument for for the Browns being the first team to enter the red zone and that there were no house rules on it. And drafting shouldn't keep people who bet on that money. They shouldn't be a loss. So like, why are you upset that people are, are, are getting paid out as they should, other than the fact that you're just rooting against them, which it's, it's a miserable way to live. So I don't, it grinds my gears is, is sort of a plea. The last thing I'll say, I can't believe we didn't talk about this. I forgot to put it in the rundown. Shout out to grinds my gears. We did probably nothing to impact this, although apparently I, I, you know, I have a whole lot more influence than I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think this was you. I think this is your victory lap. Tennessee money line laws have officially changed. They have the same, so they don't have the extra hold that they had. This was one of the early grinds my gears. I am so happy that I can't believe it's come full circle. Tennessee people and all these grinds my gears have been completely useless in terms in terms of enacting change, and we've got one. We've got Tennessee money lines are the same in Tennessee as they are in the rest of the country that has legalized sports betting. There's no more extra hold, extra tax, whatever. Amazing news. So we're going to end Grants Gears on a positive, you know, hooray for Tennessee getting changed and good luck on all your bets this week. We're ending Grinds My Gears on a positive. We're ending the show on a positive. Exactly. Um, yeah, this was a... This was a good grinds my gears, and it was our first victory lap on something where I doubt it was us, but we started to see the change that we've been complaining about. So happy to see it. This was a fun episode. It doesn't matter who enacted the change. Change has happened. And yep, that is it. It was all you. Uh, have a good work week, TPG. We'll talk soon. See you, buddy.